0: Welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitian's Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today for what is now episode 71. And as always, you are joined by your hosts, Tiara and Jack. Now, before we get into today's Q&A episode, we just want to remind you that if you do enjoy these podcasts, please feel free to tell your family and friends about them. Take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag Jack, tag the Bodybuilding Dietitian's. And if you are interested in getting in touch with us regarding our coaching services, you can always check out our website at www.thebodybuildingdietitians.com, which you can also find down in the show notes below. So without further ado, Jack, let's get cracking episode 71. What's the first question?
1: Awesome. So the first question is best time to take supplements such as iron tablets before food
0: Yeah, so this is a really good question. So when we're thinking about iron, right, iron is unique in that it comes in two different forms. So there's non-heme iron, which is also known as ferric iron, right? And that's in the Fe3 plus form. And then there's heme iron, which is known as ferrous iron, which is in the Fe2 plus form. And the way I like to remember this is because ferrous iron, right, heme iron That's the type of iron that our body preferentially absorbs, right? In that Fe2 plus form. And the great way to remember it is from that movie. Do you guys remember from the eighties, you know, that movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off? Did you see that?
1: No, unfortunately not.
0: Jack, it's one of the best movies. Oh my gosh, we've got to watch it. But, okay, I'm sure a lot of people here, you guys have seen the movie Ferris Bueller's Day Off, you know, and everyone in that movie, everybody loves Ferris. Uh, So, you know, everyone loves Ferris. Everyone loves heme iron. So Ferris, heme iron, you got it anyway. Okay, so yeah, there's two forms of iron, but the thing is is that the majority of iron in food is actually in the non-heme form. So it's in that Fe three plus form. So this is the type of iron that you're going to find in all your green leafy vegetables, in your whole grains, you know, in um, in your spinach, man. Yes. Uh, and that's why
1: Popeye always drank orange juice.
0: Yes. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't
1: know whether he did or not.
0: <laughs> well, we'll say he did. Hopefully he um, enhanced that absorption. But the thing is, is that even people say, you know, uh, red meat is a great source of iron, right? but only around 50% of the iron in red meat is in the heme form. So the more bioavailable form, 50% is actually in the non-heme form. Anyway. Okay. Answering this question. Best time to take iron supplements. The best time to take iron supplements. Yes, it actually is generally before food because man, the thing about iron is that so many different things in the diet just interfere with its absorption. So I swear, like, the, uh, the tannins and tea and coffee, fiber in foods, you know, phytochemicals and uh, different uh, nutrients as well. So uh, when we're thinking about you know nutrients like calcium, zinc, magnesium, they also have those two pluses, right, for their for their number of electrons, and they actually compete with iron too. So because iron uh, in the heme form is an Fe plus they're all going to compete for the same transporter in the small intestine. So there's so many different things that interfere with iron absorption, but,
1: and that's why you should never get a supplement like zinc, iron, and calcium. Yeah,
0: exactly. Like a multivitamin with all these things, like they're all just going to be fighting each other to get in your body. right? But the thing is, is that so for most iron supplements, the majority of them are going to be in the non-heme form. So that ferric iron form. Now the thing is, is that that has the Fe3 And in order to uh, transform, would you say convert convert, <laughs> convert into the Fe2 plus form, you need an electron donor. So you Metamorph. Need a me- what? <laughs> a metamorphosis of our iron. <laughs> but yeah, you need an electron donor. So something like vitamin C, right? You need something like an antioxidant because vitamin C is awesome because it uh, donates an electron to iron to convert that Fe3 plus into the Fe2 plus so that it can be absorbed. So that's why people are always saying, you know, Oh, consume your iron tablet with some orange juice. But as a matter of fact, orange juice is usually actually oxidized. It's usually actually quite low in vitamin C. So might be actually better to consume it with a fresh piece of fruit, like an actual orange uh, or any sort of citrus fruit. So yeah, consuming an iron tablet with something with vitamin C in it, you know, basically every fruit and vegetable has some sort of vitamin C component and you don't need that much. so su- then
1: the... Um- oxalates and the tannins will interfere with the absorption
0: maybe a little bit but i don't know that's the thing like is a little bit of iron better than no iron (laughs) but yeah they're pretty much recommendations are that you should consume your iron supplement on a fasted stomach, just with water, you know, maybe like an hour before your meal or consume it with something citrus, but certainly don't go, you know, having a cup of coffee, you know, with a big glass of milk as well in there and uh, and pop your iron tablets. Cause you probably won't absorb much of that iron. And this is where it gets interesting because I don't know. Do you think it's a bit counterintuitive, Jack, that you see these foods like breakfast cereals, right? They're fortified with iron. But the thing is, those breakfast cereals are usually high in fiber, you know, and you're consuming them with milk or yogurts or like a high calcium source, which is going to interfere with the absorption as well. So I don't know. Well, Like, why did they do that? <laughs> do they have dietitians main, behind this? <laughs>
1: I think their main priority is to sell money. And if they can say that they have added, uh, vitamins and minerals, then Mm -hmm. they will worry about that first and not the nuances behind it.
0: That's true. That is a good point. I wonder, I wonder if it's expensive to fortify foods with vitamins and minerals because Mm. it seems like almost every food on the market now, you know, it's fortified with something, right? It's it's boosted by something.
1: Yeah. We'll have to come back next week and answer that.
0: But yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing guys is because these uh so iron you know magnesium calcium zinc they all compete for the same transporter and i actually read this paper i think eric helms was talking about it but in the gut. So iron is actually absorbed in the duodenum. So that very first part of the small intestine, and those transporters can usually only take up around 100 milligrams of any nutrient at once. So the thing is, is that iron recommendations, you know, for like a female, it's around 18 milligrams per day males. It's only around 10 milligrams. You know, zinc is quite low down there too, you know, around that like eight to 18 milligram kind of mark right so if you're consuming like iron with a zinc source there wouldn't be that much interference with absorption because you'd have enough transporters for that but the only issue is would be if you consumed it with something like calcium because calcium we consume right calcium is actually known as a macro mineral because compared to all of these other nutrients right we actually need a as our recommended daily intake around 1,000 milligrams of calcium or more. So it would be the uh, there would be the most interference with absorption if you consumed your iron with calcium compared to something like iron with zinc. But just something to keep in mind. Anyway, my my brain's a bit scattered now in like my biochem and nutrient textbooks. So I think that we should go to another question, Jack.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's your monologue for the episode.
0: <laughs> Are you sure it's the only one? <laughs>
1: So this next question says thoughts slash advice for competitors still going ahead for prep with season B.
0: Damn, what a relevant question. So what, what are your thoughts?
1: So I think the important thing here is try not to focus on too much of whether it's going to happen or not obviously that's probably the most important point but you really just need to go with one or the other and not do a half ass prep so either choose to compete and risk not being able to if it's cancelled or don't compete so there's really only two options and kind of just delving into the nuances of whether or not it's going to happen might just make you stressed out anxious and it's just not going to be useful for you. So the optimal goal is still to make it the best experience possible for you. And even if it doesn't happen, like you've still done the prep, which is the majority of the journey and you can do photo shoots or, uh, but yeah, you just need to make a decision.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Oh my gosh. You know, if you're committing to a comp prep, you're committed. Okay. You got to give it 100%. So boy, that's uh, I think that's pretty much the answer, you know? If yeah. you're in prep, you're prepping, you know? You you got to do this and you got to give it everything. And you know, with the way things are going, the way things are looking up, there probably is going to be a season B, even if they have to push it back, you know. I listened to a podcast with the uh ICN president of Australia. And he's also the ICN president down in Victoria, you know, and he loves this, you know, he lives and breathes this and he, he just wants to provide a stage for the athletes this year because season A got canceled. So, you know, he's committed to, if he needs to push back the shows to October, November, heck, he said even December, you know, if he can provide a stage opportunity for the athletes this year, he will go to those lengths. So,
1: don't base it off that, though. I yeah. Would, I, you no can always, one knows
0: what's going to happen. Well, you can
1: always message these people directly. So yeah. don't don't ask us, message Jason or message the um, your relevant state yeah. representative.
0: Yeah. But we are very grateful to live here in Australia, you know, and things are certainly looking up. But, uh, man, if you're in prep, you're in prep. So best of luck and give it everything
1: cool so we'll move on to the next question this one says is it bad to have too much starchy vegetables even if you're still hitting macros and fiber
0: hmm so this is an interesting question and i'd imagine it's from someone with with a meal plan and perhaps they're just eating like a lot of potatoes sweet potato pumpkin and maybe they're not getting much of their like green vegetables and other or maybe
1: they just like starchy vegetables maybe they just
0: eat a lot of starchy veg yeah well To be honest, like there's no issue with eating those foods whatsoever. And I think the important thing to remember is that what makes a good, wholesome, nutritious diet is not about what you exclude necessarily. It's about what you're including, you know? So, It's not necessarily bad if you're eating a lot of these starchy vegetables, but you just don't want it to get to the point where you're eating so much starchy veg that you are excluding other nutritious food sources right
1: actually you you might turn orange though from having too much
0: <laughs> that is true sweet potato. <laughs> too much sweet potato pumpkin carrots yeah yeah all that beta carotene <laughs> it's happened to me before man i went through a phase where i was eating like a, a kilogram of pumpkin every single day and man like my fingers started to turn like yellowy orange and people asked me like whoa Tara, what's up with your fingers and i'm like oh my god <laughs> I am turning into a pumpkin so it's not dangerous at all but like just when you have an overload of beta carotene which is the inactive form of vitamin A you do store that in the skin so beware you know they do do it in France you know in the summer people drink a lot of carrot juice and stuff so that they uh have that orangey tinge to their skin which is very beautiful mm. but uh sorry Jack what was the question
1: <laughs> so yeah basically what we're trying to say is that it, there's nothing wrong with consuming a lot of starchy veg uh, what is important though is ensuring you're getting variety is still. So, if, if you're having just potato and sweet potato as your only source of carbohydrates, then you need, and vegetables, because technically they're both, you'd need to also factor in a variety of other vegetables, a variety of other cr- carbohydrate sources as well mm-hmm. to get a variety of nutrients, a variety of different fibers as well. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, absolutely. So, getting some more whole grains in there, getting some more fruit in there, you know, non starchy veg, some more salad vegetables. Yeah. Just so that you're, you're covering all of your nutrient bases and you don't want to get to a point where, you know, you're like, you're at your calorie and your carbohydrate limits. Right. And you're like, oh man, but I don't want to cut back on the potatoes. So like, I just can't eat any of this other stuff. Like, ooh, that's a bit of an extreme circumstance, but like sometimes you do got to make sacrifices and just let other little things fit in. But yeah, overall, they're still very, very nutritious foods and I love them. Jack loves them. And, uh, I bet you definitely love them too. <laughs> okay, Jack. So another question. So this one says how to decrease steps and cardio without changing your diet. How do you do it?
1: So for most people, you're going to have to change the diet because the, the two go hand in hand. So, um, if you change energy output, then energy intake is going to have to change as well. So each way. So there are some circumstances where you might be able to, like say if you're coming out of a competition prep and or coming out of a diet in general and you lower energy output, then you can probably still increase uh, energy intake because your goal is to gain weight. Or you might even just adapt very quickly to that uh, change in energy expenditure and... Yeah, probably the only other scenario is there will be those people who can adapt to it, where you'll decrease their energy expenditure, and if your if your goal is still weight loss, sorry, weight gain, or even energy maintenance, then they'll still be able to um, just adapt to it. Mm -hmm. And and of course, if you decrease it by ten thousand steps, then that's very different to decreasing it by like two to three thousand.
0: Yeah, I think the main thing is here is like, what's your goal? What are you trying to do with your body composition? Because Mm. Obviously you don't have to change your diet and you can change your steps and you can change your cardio, right? If you want to gain weight or if you've been in a, you know, that amount of steps and food, right? And cardio that's had you in a deficit, taking those away, that's going to have you at maintenance. So it's really like, Hey, what you want to do here Mm. with your body kind of thing. But
1: it also sounds like you might be a bit concerned about uh, the thought of sacrificing food and then. Uh, therefore you might need to sort of play around with the, your goal. And if anything, doing the extra activity, extra cardio, extra steps might even be making you hungrier. So if you take it out and lower your food, you might be less hungry. So Mm -hmm. it all depends on the individual. So,
0: and guess what? You can always train a little bit harder too. So you could always increase training volume or, uh, you know, get stronger as well build some more muscle over time obviously that's going to help you you know burn a little bit more calories but a small when, amount a Not very much, a man. very small amount like a dorito chip right <laughs> still counts um but when we say you know some people are able to adapt so they're able to you know decrease their steps decrease their cardio stay on the same amount of food The reason why they are burning more calories and their metabolic rate is elevated is because they're doing other little things that aren't necessarily being counted by steps, right? So they're fidgeting more, they're talking with their hands, you know, they've got more expression, like their respiratory rate is up, uh, you know, like their heartbeat is faster. All of these different things, just metabolic rate increases. A really interesting thing that I noticed when I came out of my comp prep. Was how much quicker my wounds, (laughs) my little scratches that I always get on my legs, you know, or like I bump into something and I bruise. When I was in the depths of comp prep, man, if I got a scratch on my leg, I'm like, frick, that's gonna be there for like four to six weeks because I feel like my metabolic rate had decreased quite a bit. So like that just wasn't a priority to really just like, you know, cell healing. But once I entered, you know, into a caloric surplus, started gaining some weight, entered my post-comp recovery period, I still get scratches and bruises on my arms because like hell man i'm I'm pretty clumsy (laughs) but they heal in like a week which is so cool i'll like go up to jack and i'll be like look it's getting better you know like look it's hardly there anymore it's only been a few days so anyway that's pretty cool so you know like cell turnover these sorts of things involved in metabolic rate they increase too so it's not all just step count necessarily for energy output
1: Yeah, and I have experienced this with a one client in particular who obviously I won't say his name, but basically we did a mini cut. He lost about ten to twelve kilos or even more and he was eating he's now eating like double what he was eating Mm -hmm. when he was significantly heavier, which is pretty amazing. And I mean his his step count is higher, but not enough to compensate for the extreme amount of extra food he's eating
0: yeah it's insane you know sometimes just how much you have to dig at those lower ends when you're just trying to get off that final bit of body fat but boy then the body just bounces back and it almost fights you in the opposite direction so it's really interesting it's really interesting and it just emphasizes why people just can't hand out cookie cutter plans you know and follow these things for eight weeks straight without any modifications because man, things are always changing. The body is an amazing thing and it certainly knows how to adapt every single way.
1: (laughs) Yeah, certainly. Some for better and some for worse as well.
0: Hmm. Okay, guys, so... This next question asks, is there an optimal time to consume fats? So I think this is, this is a good question, you know, because people are always talking about nutrient timing in terms of, you know, protein and carbohydrates, and certainly how that relates to exercise performance and recovery, but there's not too much on fatty acid intake. So Jack, is there an optimal time to consume fats?
1: So for most people, I would say that it doesn't really matter too much. They can kind of consume them when they want in each meal. Uh, Most people as well, they only train like five days a week. So they're not doing double sessions during the day or yeah, it's mainly, okay, I'm going to train, I'm going to eat my meals leading up to training. Uh, A lot of people, they don't have to eat the uh, crazy amount of food, so they don't have to worry about digestion. So yeah, but for those people who are... A bit out of the ordinary like either they're training multiple times a day or they have to think about a bit more regarding meal timing then potentially looking at fatty acid intake um, and its placement is more valuable so someone who's training twice a day they want to prioritize carbohydrate um, digestion and absorption so fat slows down the absorption of carbohydrates so Basically what they would do is try and avoid fats in that meal before and after training leading up to the next training session and also consuming less fats will make them feel less full as well, less sick. Um, or decrease the risk of being sick in that second session. And other people potentially will want to avoid fats in their pre-workout meal because, again, it will slow down that digestion, um, might might inhibit their training performance. Mm
0: -hmm. Just from feeling so full? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting, you know? So, yeah. Certainly for athletes training twice a day, definitely getting carbohydrates and they're prioritizing those because you want to try to replenish glycogen. You know, the recommendations are for athletes training, you know, like their training sessions are within four hours of one another. You want to be consuming around 60 grams of carbohydrates every single hour in order to maximally, you know, try to resynthesize glycogen stores. You can't do it hundred percent, but that's certainly the best way to top them up without other things like fatty acids slowing them down. Uh, but you know, when we're thinking about the consumption of fat, right? Fat is incredibly important because it helps with the absorption of fat soluble vitamins. So, you know, if you're consuming a meal with fat soluble vitamins, so that's vitamin A, D, E, and K. So let's say that you're having a salad, right? With a lot of like carrots and capsicum and uh, green leafy vegetables. That's going to have a lot of vitamin A and a lot of vitamin K in it. And, um, you know, you want to have at least five to 10 grams of fat in a meal where there are a lot of fat soluble vitamins so that you can absorb those vitamins. So that's super important, but five to 10 grams isn't much, you know, so most people could easily, easily, uh, you get that anyway, you know, um, So that's the main thing for that nutrient absorption. But yeah, other than that, it's interesting that you say, you know, uh, avoiding it in your pre-workout meal. Cause I've noticed that with, you know, myself, but other people, like personally, I need quite a bit of fat in my pre-workout meal. I usually have around 15 grams of fat in my pre-workout meal. It's like one of my highest Fat meals, even though it's still very high in carbohydrates, because I like that it slows down that absorption a little bit. I like still feeling satiated during my workouts and having that slow release of energy and uh, you know steady steady stream of glucose going into my bloodstream rather than just having a lot of carbs, a lot of protein, very minimal fat. Gastric emptying being really really fast because I find that my blood sugar just spikes through the roof and then you know I plummet a little bit because I'm I am very insulin sensitive and uh, Carbohydrate sensitive, so I almost feel a little bit gl- hypoglycemic I've certainly felt that in many training sessions where I haven't consumed enough fat pre-workout So it's interesting, but you you don't cons- you can consume a little bit, but yeah, mm. everyone's no, different I, Yeah, eh? I
1: don't I don't even I don't consume a lot, but I don't consume a little either. Mm-hmm. So, like I have avocado in my pre-workout meal. Even the bread I eat has a decent amount of fat. Mm-hmm. The chicken, focaccia yeah. bun. So, yeah. I mean, it. Yeah. Again, it depends on the individual. That'll that'll always mm-hmm. be the most important aspect of nutrition. And like I'm sure in prep when I go through it and I start getting um, very hungry, then I'll probably have more fat in my pre-workout meal. Yeah, so.
0: it's just a little strategy there. Definitely not saying you know go have like a bunch of greasy bacon with sausages and eggs and just like one piece of toast or something. Cause boy, that's might not make you feel too good before squats, but hey, uh, each to their own, who knows. But yeah, hopefully hopefully that answers the question. Doesn't matter too much unless it's a very special circumstance. Yeah. So this next question is one of Jack's absolute oh, favorites. Yeah. <laughs> it says if you and jack could choose only one source of protein carbs and fats to eat for the rest of your life what would it be
1: i think before i've just taken these questions too seriously and (laughs) tried to be too nutritional about them so for protein i would choose salmon for carbs i would choose flour for fats i would choose avocado
0: flour how would you cook the flour
1: well, you just have a um, salmon avo sandwich right there.
0: Oh, so you, but no, you only have flour.
1: Yeah, flour, water, pan fry that, it turns into a piece of bread. Bro,
0: okay, all right. So, oh man, you could make like a salmon uh, avocado pancake thing no that would be gross no wait no okay anyone okay i know they don't have ihop here in australia but you know over in canada and the u.s you guys know ihop you know pigs in a blanket have you ever had a pig in in a a
1: blanket that's british
0: no that's that's ihop man
1: (laughs) no but you realize that british settlers went to the u.s okay
0: what okay yes have you had a pig in a blanket yes oh they're amazing so you'd have like a salmon in a blanket
1: uh no
0: yes because it's a pig because it's a pork sausage in the pancake so you're having fish in a blanket
1: i guess okay. Okay.
0: <laughs> rest of jack's life he's having fish in a blanket
1: <laughs> what about you <laughs>
0: Um, mine would be, my protein source would be the same. I'd have salmon, but I'd get my grandma to like smoke the salmon for me in her smoker. So I'd have smoked salmon. But you could have smoked
1: or non-smoked because it's the same protein source.
0: I know. No. Oh, is, are we bending the rules here?
1: It's not bending. We could say (laughs) chicken and have chicken thigh, chicken breast,
0: chicken skin. Okay. So we're going to have salmon and we have an optional smoker. (laughs) Um, and then I would definitely have oats because you can just cook them with water and they Taste so sweet and they're so scrumptious and then man a fat source I'd probably have like some really salty pistachio nuts you know like don't you love cracking open pistachio nuts as long as they've got salt on them I
1: went to a on a holiday to New Zealand and I ate a bag of pistachios and got sick and then ever since then I don't like them
0: dude like a- well, how did you get sick? Oh my gosh. I was eating
1: them in a car ride.
0: Oh, I love them.
1: I didn't get sick. I just like, you got to that point where you're like, I never want a pistachio nut again. Wow,
0: you must have eaten a lot of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I've never gotten to that point. I've devoured a bag of pistachio nuts before when I was like a little kid, you know? Um, Oh, they are so, they are addictive. Oh my gosh. There's a, probably a reason why they make salted and unsalted nuts. Because the salted ones, you're just like... Okay, (laughs) gotta restrain myself a little bit because these are so damn good. (laughs) Um, But yeah, that's the rest of our life. Yes, yes. Yes. (laughs) Let's hope that we're nourished. There there are no vegetables there, but oh well. (laughs) Okay, so this next question says, would you adapt your macros and calories every week based on your calorie expenditure?
1: Yes, the short answer is yes. And basically do you be fueling yourself for the work that you do? And it depends on your goal. So probably if we are in a deficit, then if you had a day where you did an extra bit of exercise or walking, then we'll probably just leave it. Um, And we do this with our clients. But if, if a client comes to us and say, okay, I'm changing jobs, Uh, instead of working behind a desk, I'm going to be working on my feet, then obviously there needs to be a increase in energy to compensate for that.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. It really does come down to just fuel for the work required, you know, but at the same time, if you do generally want the most consistent data, you know, in general, I would try to keep most days, you know, similar energy output, similar energy input. And if you know that there's certain days where that's going to change. So for example, you know, some of my clients, they might have a training session and then they have, they play like one or two sports during the same day. I'm like, okay, we're increasing your carbohydrates on that day because we're either trying to maintain weight or we're trying to gain some weight. And if you're expending a whole bunch more energy, we need to account for that. So, you know, planning ahead and knowing these things, especially as a coach, or just looking after yourself. You know, if you're know that if you know that you're expending a bunch more energy, and it's not in your best interest to necessarily lose weight, or you're trying to gain weight, or you're trying to maintain your weight. Yeah, just, you know, account for that. So Jack, you do this, right?
1: Yeah. So I if I know that I've done a bunch of extra energy. So if we let's say go to walk the dogs at Naji Dog Beach, then I'll say, wow, okay, um, I've done a bunch of extra exercise, let's increase my carbs today mm-hmm. so I don't lose weight. And it, it wouldn't really make sense if you, okay, I've done an extra 20,000 steps today than usual, I'm going to go to bed hungry. Like, that doesn't really compute. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of just makes sense to compensate for the extra uh, energy expenditure that you've done.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So. Yeah, Because it will
1: impact your recovery as well, not just Mm. uh, decrease your body weight.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. And what would you say, you know, for someone who is in a deficit and they generally are keeping, you know, energy input, energy output consistent, but then they do have a day that, you know, they don't just go for an extra walk. Like let's say they went for a hike and yeah, they did 20,000 extra steps or 30,000 extra steps. You know, how would you account for that on the fly?
1: So yeah, it's a tough question. And it would, yeah, depend on potentially like how how far ahead or behind they are in mm-hmm. weight loss. Like if everything was going on track, then I would probably just give them extra food. Mm-hmm. But that's not always the way coaching works where um, you, you give them like that sort of answer straight away. Yeah. So like say, I'm, I'm, I mean, our coaching is unique in terms that we usually respond to people mm-hmm. like people can message us whenever they want. But if you're doing like a month plan with your coach and you have the same macros every day, then it's... A bit more difficult to make that decision yourself
0: yeah most certainly it is really tough but and the thing is is that what i've noticed is that you know if you ask the person on the day you're like okay you know you expended a whole bunch more energy you know how are you feeling are you feeling hungry we have to remember that generally exercise is actually an appetite suppressant so in that acute moment you actually might not feel that hungry you know because you've just done a lot of exercise and if you still have like a meal left for that day you're like you know, like mentally, I could probably just eat that meal and probably be fine. Like usually it's the days after where like you do less, like your normal amount of energy expenditure, but it almost like hits you, right? Like it's like, it's like an after, after mm. effect. And you're like, oh I'm really hungry. <laughs> yeah.
1: The morning, the morning after, like I can tell when I'm lighter or mm-hmm. I'm leaner because I'm usually... Instead of not looking forward to breakfast, I'll be tolerating breakfast.
0: Yes. <laughs> oh what what a sight that is. Jack's actually smiling while he's eating his oats. Like, ooh, these are actually kinda no, nice. <laughs> they're half oats. Yeah. Half oats, half cereal. <laughs> Whatever they are, they uh, they they taste good. Well well I'm sure they taste good. I actually haven't tasted them. <laughs> um, okay, so moving on. This next question says, What are two of your pet peeves? Jack, do you have any pet peeves?
1: Yeah, I have a couple.
0: Uh, just a couple? <laughs> well, I guess he did ask for two, so hit the floor.
1: <laughs> so, no, I'm, honestly, I don't really have that many pet peeves. I would say Tiara has more than me. But what?
0: No, we are just total zen men. You know, we, we, <laughs> wait, we're we never pissed off at anything on this planet. We're just calm and cool.
1: So, the first one would be... Jokes. <laughs> No, oh, I would say we're pretty calm and cool.
0: Yeah, we're pretty calm and cool. But I'm sure we can list two pet peeves.
1: So the first one would be, uh, this is actually a new pet peeve, but um, there's this one dog that walks past our house in the morning. And because our house is open on two sides, like the dogs can like run along two sides of the fence and it's a see-through fence, so they just bark. And there's the dog always walk, walks past at like 6.15. Um, and it's that period where I'm like awake. I can get awake very easily and not fall back to sleep. Um, yeah, and it always wakes me up fairly religiously every morning, so that's one of them, first world problems, and...
0: What you gotta do is block the street and just make them take the other, the other road.
1: And the second one is just when Tiara touches me with cold hands, which is getting what? worse now that it's winter, so...
0: What, it do you, do I have to put on, like, gloves to hug you?
1: Yeah. What?
0: Okay, guys, going to get the mittens. <laughs> I'm sorry I thought that you'd like it because Jack's always saying like oh man I'm so hot you know because he's he's a, it means there's a large he's, gradient he's of hot up. to cold though. yeah well I'm like you know when he's really warm and I'm really cold I'm like "Ooh, you're really warm and he's like you're freezing <laughs> Oh sorry I'll get the mittens What about you ooh pet peeves okay um one of mine okay would be when you're in a nice clean kitchen right and there Any is a kitchen? Any kitchen, man, any clean kitchen in the world. And there's like a clean tea towel just hanging up on its rack, doing its thing. You know, someone washes their hands and then they dry their hands on the tea towel and then they wad it up into a ball and then they just chuck it on the counter and leave. And I'm like, (laughs) what the? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you hang it up? Like how is it going to dry in that ball? So that's a pet peeve. That is peeve also of... a
1: first world problem. <laughs>
0: that's a first world problem, okay? That's a nice kitchen problem, but that is still a pet peeve of mine because it takes no much and like no more extra effort to just hang that tea towel up so that the next person who wants to dry their hands, you know, like they have a dry towel. They don't have like this hunk of wet thing in the on the counter. Like Anyway, that's one. And I think another one would just be people paying you back, you know, or like when you buy something and you split the bill with someone, like I know that I'm like always immediately, I'm like, okay, cool. Let's just divide this evenly. I'll transfer you literally right now. You know, like internet baking is so quick now. People are always on their phones. So I'm one of those people who like, one, I divide it down to the cent because I like to live fairly, you know? And I think that's, I think that's, fair. And I think that's equal. But what if you're
1: just buying someone something and out of generosity and then like, no,
0: but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about like, what like, if it's
1: two dollars?
0: Yes. Well then transfer me a dollar, you know, but like, it doesn't matter about how much or how little, you what know, What if you it's just went equal. to
1: 7-Eleven for a slow pin, you just, oh, I'll, I'll just pay for this. And like, well, still... no,
0: there's a difference between someone offering, but so then,
1: so that means you wouldn't offer to ever pay for something if you're that nitpicky about
0: no, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying <laughs> that if there's an agreement, you guys like, let's say that two people, you know, uh, they split. They were driving down the Gold Coast and they split a gas bill, right? So one person has to swipe their card. The other person should look at how much of the gas cost, you know, <laughs> divide it by two and transfer them right away, right? That's only fair. That's a very courteous thing to do, and it's just very irritating when you have to like remind people, like, and it makes you sound silly, you know, like, have you ever hey, been- can you, trans? can you Can you've, you've lived in a
1: share house and now you live with me
0: exactly i'm always splitting bills with people but like no just throughout my life you know but like it just makes it awkward when you're like hey you know two weeks ago when we split that bill can you please transfer me like you know eight dollars fifty or something and like it makes it weird because you feel weird because you're like you know it's only eight dollars fifty but you also know it's fair and you also know you work hard for your money so anyway that's pet peeve guys just pay, pay things evenly, transfer people straight away. You avoid the like awkwardness and, uh, you're just a good person. So I think that's a nice thing to do. Yes. Let's move on
1: to the nutrition. <laughs> yes.
0: Again. Back to the nutrition. Okay. So actually I'm going to change my mind. We're not going to do a nutrition question. We're going to do a comp prep question to finish this podcast on. So it says how to decide on a federation to compete with with no prior experience of the stage?
1: So this is actually a great question and one that should require a lot of thought before you compete. I think one of the best recommendations is to go to a variety of shows from different federations and um, see which one like not only you fit with like in terms of the criteria, the different um, categories, uh, but also the feel of the show. So like is uh, like say if you're sitting in the crowd and like you shout out and support someone and then one of the judges says be quiet then (laughs) which has happened at shows before then I, that's not going to entice me to want to compete in that federation. So Yeah,
0: that's huge. You know, the atmosphere, its it certainly is different between the shows that you go to. So whether you go to an ICN show, whether you go to an IFBB show, whether you go to a WBFF show, all are going to have completely different atmospheres. They're all great in their own unique ways, but, you know, different things appeal to different people and you'll get a feeling, you know? Mm.
1: And like, there is the obvious, um, aspect as well of like, um, this is, I guess, more of my opinion, but like, I'm not going to compete with IFBB for my first show because I'm not enhanced and there's going to be a, um, and I'm a competitive person. So I'm not going to kind of like test that water when I'm not ready to yet. So (laughs) you'll
0: be ready one day, not, not necessarily enhanced, but I reckon your physique will be there one day. Just like Peter Hartwig. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) My pleasure
1: so yeah what are your thoughts on it though
0: yeah i couldn't agree more you know go to a variety of shows or if you can't actually physically go to the show you know watch shows online watch the live streams watch them on youtube but yeah and then it really does come down to okay like what what does your physique look like you know and what type of physiques do these shows cater for so for example if you're a female athlete right you're going to have a heck of a lot more uh chance, you know, an opportunity to fit into different categories. If you were to go with a Federation like ICN, compared to a federation like IFBB because IFBB only has, you know, they have the bikini category. They have the wellness category, the figure category, and then they also have the uh, women's physique category. Right. But if you go with a federation like ICN, you know, they've got the bikini, the fitness, the sports model, the figure, you know, the, um, they've
1: even got classic figure. now. Yeah. They've got Angels, classic figure. Yeah. Slump, the... Swimsuit. Yeah. They've I got... know it better than you. Mate. Oh
0: boy. <laughs> You've been watching all the girls. <laughs> well, Hey, I've been watching all the guys um
1: just- I know you haven't though that's the thing I know <laughs>
0: Um, no, but that's the thing. Okay. So like which federation, you know, does your physique suit best at that point? And also recognize that your physique is going to develop over years. So, you know, you might start out in, uh, ICN bikini, but you might aspire one day to be on an IFBB bikini stage or on a WBFF bikini stage. Okay. Or like you might be doing, um, you know, sports model in ICN, but one day you want to be doing, uh, like fitness in WBFF. FF. So, you know, and you can, you guys compete in different federations as well. You know, I, I know that I want to compete with a a huge number of different federations to see where I really fall and see which one I really want to pursue as a professional athlete, you know, in the years and decades to come. But when you're young and you're starting out, you know, test out different federations, right? You know, um, really get a feel and a taste for, you know, where do I really fit in? What do I like the most, you know, which federation aligns with my morals and my values and where am I treated the best? Because again, you know, the athletes in different federations are generally very different. So Mm. yeah, there, there are a lot of things to consider, but you know, you're only going to, you know, really know once you have that personal experience.
1: Yeah. And from what we've gathered so far, this is just our experience. But if you're in the Australia, then I think ICN, we've had a wonderful experience with them. And I mean, we had a great experience with IFBB as well. Again, Uh there's just that discrepancy there. Um, If you're in the US, then... Um, WMBF is a great federation. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the pinnacle of natural bodybuilding. And in the UK, the BNBF and Mm -hmm. uh, UK. DBFBA.
0: Yeah. There's (laughs) so many, there are so many different bodybuilding federations now that's just skimming the surface, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there are so many, but uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that answers your question.
1: AWNBS is a good one for girls mm, as well.
0: Yeah, so AWNBS is the federation here in Australia. It's all female, but it's linked in with the WNBF, and you know, really hoping that in future years they do bring the WNBF over here to Australia because man, people would compete in it. You know, they just gotta, they just gotta get that ball mm. rolling.
1: Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. They need some it's like they need promoters. Like they need to be a bit more modern with it, I think, and. Um, sponsor some pro bodybuilders to really get it rolling in yeah. australia I think. well
0: maybe that's something we can aspire to one day you know 10 mm. years from now who knows maybe we'll uh, be promoting wnbf <laughs> goals okay so guys that's pretty much the end of the q a but the last thing we always finish these podcasts on is one thing that we learned this week so jack i want to hear what have you learned this week
1: <laughs> so i had an incident with my one of my teeth or tooths, teeth. Um, (laughs) An
0: incident. (laughs)
1: So I'm going to talk more about it on our um, road to 2021, uh, maybe to incite people to listen to that a bit more. But uh, basically, I learned that uh, dentists can do wonderful things very quickly. So Mm. yeah, they basically fixed me up and sent me out, could eat and drink straight away. So that was nice. So to hear what I'm talking about, head to our to our other episode, which will be releasing later this week.
0: I love it, leaving a cliffhanger. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what about you?
0: Ooh, okay. So what I've learned—it's uh, not just in the past week, but this has been the past few weeks.
1: Oh, it doesn't count then.
0: No, it counts, man, because it is—it is a—it is, is a lesson that I've learned. It's that you know, the body and the tongue and the mouth can actually—so amazing. It, <laughs> yes, it is amazing balls. But uh, no, it, you can really adapt. To eating spicy food, okay? Because if anyone knows me, they know that I love paprika, right? I smother paprika on freaking everything. You name it, it's got paprika on it, okay? But usually I buy like the sweet paprika from like, you know, Woolworths or Kohl's. Sorry. Yeah, sweet or smoked, yeah, like the Hoyt's version. And you know, that stuff, it ain't spicy. It's just, it's really nice, right? But at my uh, local fruit and veg mart, Uh, they had this huge like basket full of sweet paprikas on sale and they had these big tubs and they're only two dollars each and i got so excited i bought like six um and i was like sweet you know paprika
1: (laughs) not sweet though
0: (laughs) ain't sweet yo (laughs) um came home you know i made I, i i made a stir fry right and i'd put the normal amount of paprika i'd usually put on which is like probably tablespoons i put a lot of paprika on this stuff go to eat it and like my mouth just started watering and like my nose started running and my eyes got really really wet and like i was like doing those really like shallow breaths and you like put your tongue outside your mouth and i'm like jack (laughs) jack i don't think that this is paprika i think this is chili powder so i don't know if i was tricked or like if they just got the labeling wrong or something but this ain't paprika man it definitely ain't sweet paprika i must have bought these big ass tubs of chili powder and i made it through that meal but like i also have all of this so-called paprika now like chili powder and like I'm not one to waste food or waste money. So I'm like, okay, I just gotta eat it. So like I started off just putting a tiny bit on my food and like, yeah, I'm, I'm bearing, you know, the heat and stuff, but like, I've just built up a tolerance to eating really spicy food now. So now I'm back to having like, you know, teaspoons or tablespoons of this like chili powder on my food. And I'm sweet, man. I feel good. I mean, adding like more chili flakes, like to my stir fries and stuff. It's really good. And, um, chilies are awesome you know my mouth no longer like waters a lot and it's not like tune in later
1: this week to hear more about Tierra's adventures with chili powder <laughs>
0: yes tune, tune in but yeah uh man that that was an experience but i i you know chilies are awesome you know and there's actually some literature coming out to show that there are benefits with exercise because basically it makes you more resistant to pain it like helps to develop really your help. your pain that sensors you lot, in your body yeah. yeah so like i'm like now when i bump into things and get bruises and cuts i'm like eh, no big deal you know it doesn't hurt as much anymore or like jack can poke me a little bit harder and i don't squeal as much so yeah Mm. dude (laughs) Chilies! okay guys so that is the end of our 71st 71th 71 episode how do you say that
1: 71st
0: 71st it is the first of the 70s yes episode thank you very much for tuning in if you enjoyed it please remember to take a screenshot post it to your instagram stories tag jack tag the bodybuilding the dietitians tag myself and uh we'll catch you next week